Welcome into another episode of the Mean Streets Podcast. I'm William Galloway, as always, joined with Britton Johnson, and it is Victory Sunday. They talk about Victory Monday in the NFL. Today is Victory Sunday, because on this podcast we talk about Alabama basketball, and now this season we've started talking about Sanford basketball. And man, two undefeated teams in conference play here in state. That's Sanford, that's Alabama. Two incredible wins yesterday for both programs and two great starts to the conference seasons, in both in SOCON and in SEC. So with that, we welcome in Britton Johnson, my co-host, to now break down everything that's happened. Britton, welcome, and it is wonderful to have you here on Victory Sunday. Yeah, Victory Sunday is right, and really Victory Three Weeks. Um, talk about just an unbelievable start for both teams into their conference play. If you had told me either one would have been undefeated at this point, A, I would have probably said it's more likely Alabama than Sanford coming off of our losing streak going into conference play. But B, um, I think it just would be amazing. Like, I would be very surprised, you know, Alabama going to Arkansas and winning and winning a couple of the games that they've won have been big-time character wins and big-time tests. So, um, unbelievable start for both programs. So taking a look at the stats, we're going to start with Alabama, then we'll jump to Sanford. Usually we go Sanford, then Alabama. We're, we're going to start in Tuscaloosa. I was there yesterday. The Crimson Tide sitting at 15-2 and overall, 5-0 and in conference play, and rocking a win streak of six games. The Crimson Tide are undefeated at home and on the road. Only two losses coming at a neutral site, and that was up at the Phil Knight Invitational, and then also uh, Gonzaga in Birmingham, which was not a true home game for the Crimson and tied. But Alabama yesterday getting the win over the LSU Tigers by 40 points, 106 to 66. Britain, obviously, y'all had warm ups, uh, but that was the, my first chance to go see Brandon Miller in person. Uh, Jaden Bradley hit a half court shot. He has been phenomenal all season long. Ever, no clowny. I mean, you can go down the roster and talk about all the attributes, but what have you seen and what you've been able to watch from Alabama so far this year? And I'll kind of chime in with what I saw yesterday. Miller went 7 of 11 from three, but this Alabama team is. Never in my wildest dreams in the last five years, six, ten years, you know, you go as far back as you want. Did we ever think we were going to see a product like this coming out of Coleman Coliseum? Right, yeah. I mean, um, I think yesterday, a, I mean, just what a dominant win. Just If you want to talk about that singularly and by itself, like, um, you know, I think we've kind of had LSU's number more or less the last few years. Um, obviously, a completely new regime there. But to come out and just be firing on all cylinders like that and to stifle them the way we had. I mean, you know, Coleman Coliseum is packed out, and, and for them to perform the way they did, what a win. It's really a statement win on top of the win they had at Arkansas. Um, so, I mean, by itself, that was a huge win. But overall, I've been really slow to get to this point, and we were talking about it before the before we started recording. But I, I think I'm ready to say that the ceiling of this team is as high as any team in the country. Um and, you know, I'm always kind of slow to get to that point, A, because I don't want to put unnecessary expectations on a team. And, you know, along with that, just because I don't want to be like, oh, if they don't make the Final Four, it's a failure because anything can happen in March Madness. But I'm looking around the SEC and, and what we thought was going to be a loaded SEC, and I'm, I'm really thinking, which team can touch them? I mean, Tennessee lost at home versus Kentucky yesterday. Um, I don't think there's a team in the SEC playing at near the level that they are. And nationally, I don't know that there's a team playing better basketball right now than the Crimson Tide, and that is without Namari Burnett, who's going to be back soon and who's really a glue guy for this team. 
You look at the Alabama roster right now, Darius Miles out for the season. I believe it's an ankle injury. Uh, the Crimson Tide are playing this whole season a scholarship player short as they've only used 12 out of 13. You had uh, one guy enroll early. He's going to redshirt for the rest of the season. But you've got an Alabama team that lost to Gonzaga, that lost to UConn. And that Gonzaga team, we talk about an abnormality. I mean, they shot an unbelievable percentage from the field. They hit, I think it was like 70% in Birmingham. Uh, but you know these two losses are nothing to scoff at if you're Alabama and like you like you said Britton you look around and you're you're pretty much you're pretty much untouchable you know you Alabama fans this is what they do just because everything has to circle back to football Alabama fans look and say oh wow we've we've become the Alabama football of Alabama uh, of, of college basketball and the and the truth is the history is just about equivalent when you look at success in conference play you know, second winning his program behind Kentucky. But this team this year is putting a product like we've never seen before. Brandon Miller is undoubtedly, in my mind, the best player in, in our lifetimes, in our short 20-something-year lifetimes to ever put on the Alabama uniform. Uh, certainly could be comparable to all the greats that came before him, uh, Robert Ory, et cetera, et cetera. You go all the way back to the 50s. But what what to what to you is different because you were in this you were in that locker room just a year ago from the guys you talked to AC and and different people like that what are you hearing from them on how and why they're able to be so successful well you know two years ago I think Oates said it over and over again um that shooting wouldn't determine if we won but the margin of victory um because our defense was going to be really what anchored the team I think last year Really, I think a lot of it was personnel. It wasn't even just all mindset or anything else. I think it was a lot of personnel. But we kind of got away from that a little bit just because we you know, we didn't have a ton of length on the perimeter, didn't have a ton of size. So we were kind of limited in what we could do. But this year, this team, um, I mean, it starts with the freshmen, which is like it's really rare to say that. Um, the freshmen that came in, you know, Mark Sears who transferred in, um, who have just completely bought into what, Alabama basketball is all about and turned Alabama back into what it was two years ago, which is just a defensive powerhouse. I mean, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And so on top of that, when you can have a great offense and you have maybe the best offensive player in college basketball right now in Brandon Miller, it's just it's dang near impossible to beat the team. Uh, and Mark Sears is playing just about as well as anybody in the SEC. So, you I mean, those two guys, um, and, and you had a guy like Javon Quinterly, who's just a luxury to add off the bench. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. top to bottom, this team is just so deep, so loaded, so long and athletic that it, it just makes them so good defensively and so good at rebounding. You know, Charles Bediaka's put on the weight over the offseason, and he looks like a completely different player. And I thought he was a good player for us last year. We, we talked about him a lot last year on the podcast and yeah. what he would kind of grow into. And I don't think we we would could have predicted what we've seen this year so far. He had a Euro step yesterday where you know he brought the ball into the lane, step, step, in and around, brings the ball in, lays it in off the glass. And it was not nearly as smooth as anything Javon Quinterly or, or someone <laughs> of that caliber could do. But when a seven-foot Canadian man is running the floor for you and then he runs a Euro step and he lays it in, I mean, the place went nuts. The the, the crowd noise was probably that equivalent to Jaden Bradley's half-court shot because you don't you don't see bigs with that skill set. You don't see people like Brandon Miller. You're seeing a lot more now. But in the past, you haven't seen people of Brandon Miller's size and frame be able to stretch the floor, be impossible to guard, uh, just be be a nightmare of a matchup. But, but Betty Yako's been everything and more, I think, that Alabama fans could have hoped for this season. 
Yeah, I think the Kentucky matchup embodied just the progress that Chuck had made more than any other game just because he matched up against Oscar Shibwe, who was last year's Wooden Award winner. And, I mean, I'd say he won that matchup. He got him in foul trouble early. Um, Shibwe, by the time he could even really try to make an impact, it was too late, you know, and the game was already out of reach. So Chuck has done phenomenally well in holding his own this year. And just you can see the strength he's picked up because the skill and finesse he's always kind of had he just hadn't really been able to couple it with strength and um obviously he's always had the length and the size so you're putting it all together and it's it really helps anchor this team defensively um but man just the buy-in all around you can just see it in every player every every guy on this team is bought in on the same goal I mean Dom Welch who hadn't really gotten to play a ton obviously he came back from injury a few games ago a when he was out you could see how much he was rooting on team success and B, and he comes back. He hasn't played just a ton. He's gotten you know a few minutes here or there, but you don't see him grumbling on the sideline. You don't see him asking for more minutes. I, again, I'm not behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on in practice, um, but you see him being bought into what the team is doing, and that's that's the really the mark of a special team. And so I think that's what you're seeing down in Tuscaloosa this year. I've got two questions for you about Brandon Miller. One, what was your level of interaction with him when he would come for visits last season? Do you have any stories or any remembrances of him watching practice or, or coming in the locker room on, on official tours or anything like that? Um, I mean, I know Brandon. I wouldn't say that we're best friends, but like we've definitely hung out a couple of times. And um, the thing I'd say about him personally uh, you know, as, as a person off the court, is that his off-the-court demeanor and his on-the-court demeanor are night and day. And it, it's hilarious because you see him as uh, just the competitive guy that he is on the court. He's talking trash. He's he's making sure you know that he, you know, he's better than you. Like, he's going to show you he's better than you, and then he's going to let you know that he knows that he's better than you. And he proves it, too, obviously. Exactly. He talks the talk and he walks the walk. But off the court, um, and I mean this in the best way possible, the dude is a goofball. Like he, he's the jokester of the group, um, and I'm so I'm sure he's a great guy to have in the locker room just because to have your best player be a guy that keeps it light but also can lock in when he needs to is so important. Um, the season's long. You can't be serious the whole time. And so having a guy that knows when to rein it in but also can uh, be a jokester is, is kind of the great combo. I think Herb had that. Maybe he wasn't the jokester to the extent that uh, Brandon is, but he kind of knew – um, when it was time to lock it in and when it was time to kind of joke around. And then if you had the opportunity to play with him, obviously in your four years in Alabama you had an opportunity to play with and against a lot of special talent, against being in the SEC, um, but also day in and day out in practice with guys like John Petty, Herb Jones, Kyra Lewis, people like that. What what do you think it would be like to be able to play with Brandon Miller? I mean, you know, if you talk to AC and if we were able to talk to AC here on this podcast, what he would say of like, man, th- this guy is, is unbelievable because obviously he's he's lottery he's lottery bound in the NBA draft this year. But what do you think it'd be like to just match up against him every day and play against that high level of talent? Which you know, as we said just a couple minutes ago here on the podcast, we may have not ever seen someone this good in an Alabama uniform. I mean, first of all. Not to not to say poor me or anything, you know. I, I love the four years that I had, and I think I timed it up really well. But um, the bookends of my career, the you go the year before they had Colin Sexton, and the year after they had Brandon Miller, um, which are arguably I don't even know if it's arguable, but probably the two best players we've had in the last decade. Obviously Herb Jones and the totality of his career and uh, the impact he made on both sides of the floor 
is in that conversation as well. Uh, so I don't want to leave him out. But but in terms of freshmen, just studs that come in and make an impact, um, those are kind of the two guys that Alabama is known for. And I I just missed them both. Um, but Brandon, you, you Miller, are a young birthday. You you could have been held back. So we can blame Jay and Amanda for that one. Yeah, yeah. And obviously I'm playing this year as well. So it's you know. But, um, You're still here. I'm still here. But, uh, you know, the thing with Brandon is, A, I think defensively doesn't get the credit he deserves because, obviously, we talked about length and athleticism. He has both of those things uh, in spades, and he makes great use of them. I mean, he's a smart defender, and he actually, you know, credit to uh, Jabari Smith when I say this. I know we don't talk lovingly of too many Auburn players, but... One thing that I do think that made him special last year was his buy-in on the defensive end that you just don't see a lot from freshmen. And I think Brandon Miller is that even to a higher degree. And I think you know, a lot of credit goes to Coach Oates in that, and I'm sure day one um, that was just a point of emphasis on his end to make sure that Brandon committed to guarding because obviously on the offensive end you're going to let him do what he does. Um, but offensively speaking, which I know is kind of the main point of your question, uh, Brandon Miller is kind of what's known as a problem solver, right? You get to a late clock situation, and I think Mark Sears has been this in uh, a lot of ways as well. You get to a late clock situation, and, and you kind of have run your offense, and you don't really have anything. You just get the ball to Brandon, and you kind of let him go to work. Um, and obviously, with a guy like that, you can be one pass away defensively. You can be in a good position, but he's 6'9", 6'10", high release, quick shot, and he's going to make it at a 45% plus clip. Um, For all those football gumps out there, that's a, the equivalent of giving the ball to Derrick Henry on second or third and short. Yeah. You're, you're going to get a positive result nine out of ten times. Exactly. So it's one of those things that you can be defensively in the best position possible. You know, I think the answer to your question is overall it would be really frustrating to play with a guy like Brandon nine day, you know, five days out of seven in the week. And two days out of seven when it was game day, it would be great. But when I, was scout, when I was scout defense and I'd have him as my matchup, I would hate it. I'd hate it because I'd be in the right spot. I'd probably have a great contest, um, and he'd either go right by me or he'd shoot it right over me, and I couldn't do anything about either. Hey, so. Britton, how was your day today? Man, I got cooked by Brandon Miller for two and a half hours in practice, but other than that, it's been yeah, fun. Exactly, exactly. So I think that'd be my answer. It'd be frustrating more than it'd be fun, but the times that uh, it'd be fun would be worth it in the end. Yeah. All right, so, Britton, we're going to we're gonna look uh, one more question here as we kind of wrap up talking about Alabama. Still very early on in conference play, Alabama playing extremely well, as I said, riding a six-game winning streak. Um, but what does Alabama have to do to sustain its success? Because right now, if we're being completely transparent, and, and you said this, so I'm taking the words out of your mouth, it doesn't look like anybody can touch Alabama. So what needs to be done to continue the success? Yeah, and you know, before we get there, I kind of want to touch on uh, the Arkansas game and just how how that speaks of where the team is. How the Hogs came up short once again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bob Walton Arena is a really tough place to play. You know, it's a really tough place to play. And and honestly, if I were looking at, I was looking at the first four or five games of their SEC slate, and I was like, you know, if they're going to lose one, it'd probably be that one. Um, just because, even though Arkansas is probably a, a worse team, I think they've shown that. Um, to go in there and win is hard. I mean, I I know a lot of Alabama fans remember two years ago us going in there, and it was like a 45-9 to free throw disparity. Um, I was kind of expecting that again. Luckily, we got a few more whistles um, to uh, to Eric Musselman's dismay, I may add. 
But uh, just the the grit shown down the stretch to just take over that game and, and Brandon Miller hitting just big shots, Noah Clowney hitting a big shot, um, man, it just speaks to the character of the team. Now to fast forward and say, looking ahead to the rest of the slate, um, I think the main thing is is just, I think, you know, one of the three pillars of this program is continuous growth. So not getting complacent and saying, look how good we are. Nobody can touch us. Like, I'm glad I can say this from the outside looking in. But if someone in the program saying that, that's not a good thing. Because um, it's not about other teams. It's about us and, and being the best team we can be. And I know that's going to be their mindset. So if that stays their mindset and they, they stay focused on the defensive end, it's going to be tough for them to, to lose too many games. Um, obviously, they can go on cold shooting spurts or have a bad turnover game and something can get away from them. But I'd say the vast – I'm not going to say vast. The majority of SEC teams, uh, if Alabama guards the way they should, I don't know that they have an answer for that. Yeah, because um, Alabama has proven that it doesn't matter who you are. If you're number one – Houston were playing you on the road if you're number one North Carolina if you were I mean Alabama even gave valiant effort you know in that in that UConn game despite the outcome uh the Gonzaga game um Michigan's you know the big Michigan State win in the Phil Knight Invitational doesn't matter who you are Alabama's coming for you uh and like you said it's about it's about us it's not about them right so I think that's that's crucial and and I don't want to buy too much into to quotes the guys are saying because you know I I know I've been a part of organizations and and teams and I've seen so many teams you know from the outside perspective that have said all the right things and then they're not really about it obviously we know this team's about it but hearing some of the Noah Clowney quotes I don't know how much you've seen of them um again Alabama fans love that because it reminds you of Alabama football it does it's not even just it's a standard here it's hey I love playing on the road because I love just making all those other fans disappointed and have to leave early like that makes me feel good, and that's the killer competitor. Um, I, you know, I'd go as far to call him a hateful competitor. Yeah, as as Saban coined, um, I and mean, I think that's a lot of the team. And Alabama played so well yesterday. ESPN I, again, I was there, so wasn't entirely sure, but they cut off the game because it was, you know, it, it, had, it had reached the the five o'clock threshold or whatever in the other game. It tipped off, and they said it's not worth our time to to show a forty point blowout, which is uh which is remarkable when you think about the recent history of Alabama basketball. Recent history being the last ten to fifteen <laughs> years. Um, so very exciting a lot of things going on and and we could continue to talk well and talk highly of of all the success that alabama is having and i really want to but we'll just have to start doing a podcast uh more more frequently than once every other week so we'll we'll have plenty more alabama conversation hopefully a conversation soon with tyler barnes uh britain any final remarks as we move towards talking about sanford yeah just that i know we have shown them so much love here i i will say alabama fans if they lose one game, the world is the world is not ending. You know they're going to be just fine. It's an 18-game SEC slate. I still don't expect them to go 18 and 0. They're going to drop one or two, and that's completely okay. You know if they drop three or four, that's still okay, because what this team is about is a deep March run, um, and you know hopefully playing really well in Nashville and and having a chance to bring them an SEC championship. Um, and so you know just enjoy this team while you have them. Um, and I mean that's really all I gotta say. Enjoy this team because yeah. this is a fun team to watch and cheer for. And, and I'll add one more thing. This I this had slipped my mind, but you talked about the Alabama football standard kind of bleeding over to Alabama basketball. Somebody I follow shared a clip of Nate Oates yesterday, late in the game, 
really just lighting into one of the guys uh, during a timeout. I think it maybe it was under eight, under four media timeout, but it's a 40-point game, and it's that Saban-esque process of chewing your guys out, holding them accountable, even though they're not primarily in the rotation or they're not in the starting five, making sure that they know that they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing it. Um, I think then that, that speaks a lot to the ability uh, that Oates has as a coach to, to be successful and to hold his guys accountable. No doubt. I kind of have a funny antidote for that. Um, Let's hear it. Um, a couple of years ago, we played at LSU, uh, as many fans will fondly remember, and we absolutely boat raced them from the jump. Uh, up 30 at half, ended up winning uh, by a little over 30. I think it was it was pushing 40, though, at points in the second half. And um, So they let all the walk-ons play the last four minutes. And, yeah, we did okay. Like, But they outscored us by you know four points, maybe, over that four minutes. The next day, uh, the next morning, we got a text, hey, just uh, the group that was in, y'all show up at this time, 10 minutes before film, we're going to go through some stuff. And they showed us the clips of our four minutes, which usually, like, nobody cares what happens when we go in. That's kind of the, the fun of it. We showed us the clips of our four minutes and said, hey, you know, we're winning by a lot, and we're winning at a high level right now. Y'all are going to get more opportunities. But if you screw around and play this poorly again, I'll just not play y'all. Like, so so holding us to that standard um, in the last four minutes, I mean, we kind of got chewed out the next morning after a 35-point win at LSU. You were boxing out like Shaq's son or something, and you're just <laughs> like, I, I didn't think I'd be doing this. You yeah, know, exactly. here I am. Exactly. And so, I, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think all the great coaches do it. They coach to a standard, not to uh, the scoreboard. And, you know, I think Oates is a great coach, and, and Alabama's lucky to have him. Yeah, I know we said we move on, but i got to ask you this, because there's a lot of rumors swirling, uh, and we'll touch on this just briefly here, but – Alabama's got to hold on to Nate Oates. Texas job is opening. People are Kentucky fans are becoming disgruntled. Uh, people always want to talk about Michigan State that job opening up, but Nate Oates is a guy, and I'll just say this straight out front: Alabama cannot afford to lose Nate Oates. Alabama needs to do whatever it can in its power to give him an extension. You remember your junior year when we had all that success and made the Sweet 16. Nate, in the middle of the season, was signed to an extension. I wouldn't be surprised, and again, I have no foreknowledge of this at all, but Alabama needs to hold on to him. As they promised, uh, as I think it was Byrne promised a new arena, I understand money doesn't grow on trees, but we have got to provide the resources, the fan base, the the provide fans with the intellectual <laughs> knowledge of, of what it takes to be a good basketball fan because Alabama simply cannot afford it will always have football it cannot afford to lose this level of success and let this just slip by the wayside because Nate is special he has built something special at Alabama and he deserves to have that retained uh, and he deserves contract extension and and quite frankly with what could come from all of this success in the past you know, three seasons of Alabama basketball, there, there needs and should be a new arena. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this, and you nailed it on the head there, um, in case there are any big-money Alabama fans, donors listening. Um, We're looking for sponsors. <laughs> uh, a contract extension would be great, but you really want to keep NATO's, get them the arena. Uh, and I know, I know we're in an inflation season, and um, it's, it's a lot of money right now, and I'm not saying it has to be built tomorrow. But there needs to be something put together for that that is finalized because that's what's going to keep them. Because you look at Texas versus, you know, Texas job that open, and I saw his name uh, kind of at the top of the list of who they go after. I'm sure they will go after him because they'd be dumb not to. Um, but what I'd say is, you know, I, 
I don't know that Texas is a, a better job than Alabama, but they do have a brand new arena. And so if you want to talk about something that is small that might differentiate the two, um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm working off zero knowledge. I, I would, I doubt the Oats would leave. But my point is, if you're working on like, oh, what's the better program? Something as small as, man, they got a really nice brand new arena. That makes a difference in recruiting, and that makes a difference in the quality of the program, in my opinion. Yeah, Alabama has got to got to retain, got to hold on to that, um, and we will see what happens with all of that. Hey, moving 60 miles east from Tuscaloosa to Birmingham, the Sanford Bulldogs are having themselves one heck of a season, 12-7 and overall, 6-0 and in conference play. It's been a, a season of runs, if you will, a hmm. uh, six, seven-game winning streak. Then a seven game lose was it seven yeah. and seven and six, six and game se- six game win streak seven game losing streak six game winning streak we are all over the place but undefeated yeah. in conference play undisputed number one currently in the SoCon Britain give me the you know bring us up to speed on where we are with Sanford basketball right now talk about yesterday's win over Chattanooga yeah I mean it all starts with yesterday um, obviously a very up and down season luckily we're on the upswing and hopefully we can keep it there. Um, you know, we were 5-0 and in conference play with a couple of big wins, uh, including one at UNCG, which was a massive win for us. They're currently number two in the conference, and we won on the road. Um, but then to come home and, and beat Chattanooga in the way that we did, you know, I think Chattanooga has uh, one of the best players in the conference. That's, I mean, that's not even close to, like, an exaggeration or, or me, like, having to go out on a limb to say that. You know, many say he's the best. Uh, Jake Stevens um, is a phenomenal player. Um, Jamal Johnson, who a lot of Birmingham people are well acquainted with, well acquainted with. Uh, a lot of Auburn fans might will know who he is. Um, he was on the team as well. He's he's their second leading scorer. So they were a really good team, and we were getting our butts whooped the first twenty five minutes. I mean, we're down nineteen points. Um, not a lot of hope, but you know, I think the the thing about the way we play, the way Alabama plays as well is that because of the pace of play and, and to add, because of the way we press as well at Sanford, um, we are never out of a game. I think we know that. Um, but to, to dig ourselves out of that hole and, and win at the end, um, just an absolute, absolutely thrilling game, unbelievable atmosphere. The students were unbelievable all day. Um, just really added. I mean, you talk about a one point. We won by one. If you don't think those students and, and the crowd we had uh, in the Pete Hanna Center – made a difference of at least one point, I think you're crazy. Um, so a lot of credit goes to them, um, but what an unbelievable turn. And I, to do what we're doing right now without Quez Glover, who is uh, in, in, many's eye, in many eyes the best player on this team, uh, uh, definitely the guy that was a leading scorer last year, over, average over 20 points a game last year, absolute stud. To do what we're doing without him and know that he's coming back, um, I think the best ball – of our season is ahead of us which is scary because we're 6-0 and right now yeah it's it's one thing where I was watching last night and you can you can never count out a Bucky McMillan coach team down 19 I thought well that's disappointing but let's you know let's see what happens and I'm, I'm watching on my phone at dinner and just 
holding on to everything. You know, the ESPN scorecast, trying to get the game going, is buffering, whatever. But from what it looked like, and I've been at just about every home game this season. I wanted to see Alabama play for the first time yesterday in person, so I did. But there's been a great environment. There was uh, there was buy-in. And I think when you're getting 60 70% of that lower bowl at the Pete and Hannah, I mean, that place is rocking. Mm-hmm. And as you talked about, yes, the students account for at least a couple points. You know, we could have been a little bit better position leaving a couple free throws on the board but that's every game you know that happens on a, on a night in night out basis um but and we've i think we talked about this on the last podcast is that bucky says all these games you know when it comes down to it when you get to conference play when you get to the tournament uh the conference tournament and then potentially the, the ncaa tournament they're one two and three point games so you can't be nervous you know you're practicing for these scenarios you're running drills you've been doing it since high school where everything's one two three and visually you're seeing you know 63 65 on the scoreboard even in practice um talk about what this does that a win like that a close one in conference play because a lot of them haven't been close you know you had Wofford was 30 something points and just just a blowout but but what does a close win do for the morale of the team and the confidence that it builds yeah I mean we have an unbelievably confident group right now and and I think deservedly so um you know, again, I'd say the same thing as I said about Alabama. The main thing is about not getting complacent with that and saying, hey, we got to keep building and getting better. Um, you know, we went on that seven-game slide in the back half of our non-conference play, and, and what we what we kept saying and, and what Coach Bucky kept preaching is that this is going to prepare us well for conference play and that everything we do is preparing us for conference play. You know, none of this, ultimately none of the non-conference stuff matters, um, except for, I guess, seeding, but – Again, you got to win the conference to even get there. So, like, why would you worry about that? Um, you know, we went hard sometimes the day before games, two days before games. And, like, um, this all prepared us for this conference play run. And, I mean, we're playing the best basketball of, of the season so far. And we're having guys play their best ball of their careers right now. I mean, Logan Dyes, um, in my opinion, through six games – he has to be considered the conference player of the year right now. And, again, that's a third of the way through the season. We have a lot uh, of basketball to be played, and we got to earn a lot more wins. But to be on the 6-0 and team, to be playing the way he is, um, I don't think there's a dude in the conference playing better than him right now. I think he went toe-to-toe with Jake Stevens yesterday and, and was every bit as equal, if not even better. Um, he was phenomenal. Did you see the uh, mid-major madness <laughs> Twitter account? So, for a little bit of context for the listeners here, they tweeted about how Jake Stevens was so good, definitely one of the top players in mid-major basketball. And uh, Logan just responds on Twitter after the game, I believe, and said, "I heard you." And yeah. and he responds and has has a, just a phenomenal day yesterday. Uh, but as we talked about with Alabama, you have a a brutal conference schedule because you just go back to back to back and we know that the level of competition is different in the SOCON as it is in the SEC but you're just you're working through this right now and you look and you've you know you're going up to East Tennessee State on Wednesday um, you come back home on Saturday to play Western Carolina you've got Furman looming uh, in, in just a week and a half you got to play them twice uh, you, you know you're going to see Chattanooga again. Um, any any road game is a tough one. You've got UNCG coming back to Birmingham. That'll be a huge game February 15th. But when you look ahead at this schedule, and you know we talk about being process oriented all the time, how do you pace yourself, and how how are the Bulldogs as a team pacing themselves to to get through and to take this day by day, game by game? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing, and, and you learned this playing college basketball for four or five years, is to take it one game at a time. You, that's just kind of becomes the way you think about it. You don't, I mean, I, I happen to know that we're playing Furman in a week and a half just because I was looking ahead recently, but I couldn't tell you we're playing in two weeks, three weeks. Like, I, I literally don't know. I literally don't know because right now I'm focused on the game ahead and, and being the best team we can be for that game. Um, and I think that's everybody's mindset. Look, I mean, obviously you have a different set of challenges everywhere you go, but um, the travel for the road, um, it, it presents a completely different set of challenges than we had at Alabama, you know, um, and it prepares you so well. The way we've done it, which is playing a ton of road games in the non-conference and really preparing ourselves for that, um, I think we're really battle-tested right now. I think we've shown that. Um and, and, you know, yesterday was a testament to that. I think we just have everybody's kind of playing playing great ball right now. We're starting to really hit our shots. We're starting to defend better. And, um, you know, there, I could go down the list. Bubba Parham's starting to really hit his stride. Um, after at least scoring the ball-wise, I think he, he would be the first to tell you he struggled early on in the year. And, you know, if you looked at his stats, there'd still be some games where he probably doesn't have an unbelievable amount of points, especially for his talent level. And I think a lot of that's because of the way he's being scouted and guarded because everyone knows what a threat he is. But um, the impact he has, I mean, obviously he hit the three free throws late to win us the game ultimately. Um, and to do it against his former coach, I may add. You know, that, that was his former coach at VMI who went to chat. Um, his mental toughness, his buy-in on the defensive end has completely um, shaped this team in a lot of ways. And I can say that about Jermaine Marshall as well. Everyone knows he's the hardest playing dude in the SOCON. Like, I don't think there's a close second either. Um, dude leaves it on the floor, leaves it all on the floor every single game. Um, every team needs a Jermaine Marshall, um, and, and every team is better for having one, and, and we're lucky that we have the one. Um, and he's unbelievable. He, he played great in the second half and really got us going. Um, and I'll add one more. A.J. Satan McCray, um, actually I'll add one more after that, but A.J. Satan McCray, has really stepped up the last four or five games for us. and uh, Came up huge at uh, huge. UNC Greensboro, 19 huge. points, something like that. And he's just a menace defensing, uh, defensively and, and is just is so disruptive. And, and to see the shots start to fall for him and he's starting to finish really well, um, it's all coming together. And to add one more, my boy J.R., J.R. really is, is, I mean, he's playing unbelievably well. I mean, we have a just so much depth. Um, he had six steals, nine assists against Wofford. Like he, he's just playing unbelievably well. Britton, you talk a lot about those guys, and and you can just like Alabama, we can go with Sanford down the roster, compliment each player. A lot of those, what they have in common is their transfer portal guys. You yourself are a transfer portal guy, and with that, you have a lot of experience. You know, you just roughly mentioned an, a small factor, but the travel that, that you had at Alabama. Um, what is it like, and are there conversations in the locker room on a day-to-day basis of, hey, we had this experience when I was at Alabama. I think like, you can lead a conversation like that. Or Jermaine can talk about, I think he was at Akron, um, and, and Bubba was at Georgia Tech, and VMI. And so when you get that melting pot of guys from the portal and you bring them in, how often and, and are, are people talking about their experiences that they had at other places and contributing that for the good of this team for this year at Sanford? Yeah, I mean, I think there are conversations where that does happen, and I think a lot of it happens when guys who have only been at Sanford may ask you questions. And 
And what you try to relay to them is, yeah, you know, something may be different here or there for better or for worse. You know, there are some things that are better about Alabama. There are some things that are worse. Um, but at the end of the day, like, ball is ball. Like, it, it's all about playing basketball, you know, and, and to do it with your teammates. And um, we have a great group. Like, I'm just really grateful for the year that I have here. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time looking back on, like, oh, well, I did this different or that different because we're building something really special at Sanford. Um, I think that's what everyone would tell you is, you know, uh, Bubba was at VMI. He was at Georgia Tech. He's here. At the end of the day, like, you practice, you know, you still use a basketball and a 10-foot hoop, and, like, you might do things differently here. Your experience uh, is what shapes you and what makes you who you are, and who you are is what you're trying to build in in that time, right? in, in the now. And, I, you know, I think Bubba would be one of the first people to tell you. Uh, Nate Johnson, who's who's playing great for us right now, transferred from UMBC, uh, he would tell you this, like, hey, we have something special brewing inside this locker room at Sanford. Um, and that's that's the most important thing about your experience in a college. Like, you know, I would much rather be at a school like a Sanford that may not have, you know, if you really want to be specific about it, some of the resources of a Power Five, but just have a really special culture, a really special high character group of people inside that locker room, then I would to go to a power five that maybe has more resources, but a terrible culture and loses or is even 500. Um, like, why would you want to be a part of that over something that is so special that we're building at Sanford? Because you certainly don't know what it's like to be at a power five where you're playing for a 500 program. <laughs> certainly not. 16 Ooh. and 15 is not 500. Did I say that? that? That's a fact. Mm. <laughs> A little above 500. Slightly above. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I appreciate you sharing that, and I think I kind of answered my own question when I say, you know, you, know, you want to build what, what you have in the now. You, you want to stand where your feet are. Um, so a lot, a lot coming up for Sanford, a lot coming up for Alabama, a lot of fun basketball. We're going to keep it here, and we're uh, – look, look, follow us on socials, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at M, uh, MTN. I'm sitting here thinking about my 9-to-5 my podcast. Um <laughs> at mean streets pod on twitter and instagram we're gonna have hopefully tyler barnes uh future doctor come join us over the phone lines uh, on a future podcast but uh britain we're gonna leave it with our hot takes and then we'll get into our final word as we kind of wrap it up so i'll let you fire off away with your hot take of the week um you know i don't I, i'm trying to think i know you had one coming prepared you might want to go ahead and start it for me and i'm gonna because I probably will have a football one and a basketball one. Yeah, so, so I, I went yesterday. Um, speaking of combining Alabama and uh, and Sanford, I went to the Alabama game yesterday with Anna, and she was she looked at the shaker box as we walked in. She said, "You want to grab a shaker?" And I looked around. I'm like, "We're in Coleman Coliseum. Why would I grab a shaker?" The the sh- here's here's my hot take. The shakers belong at football games. They do not belong at basketball games. The a shaker at basketball is the equivalent to doing. Uh, a phone light show at a football game. You get about 15 to 35% participation. It might look cool, but people really aren't that invested. So, so leave the shakers at Bryant Denny. Um, they're not, they're not for basketball games. You, you had the student section. This was kind of cool. You probably didn't see this Britain, but you had, they took the shakers and they like were tapping the long stick of the shaker on their, uh, they're hard hats. So they were making noise during the free throw, which was kind of funny and creative. Yeah. But, of course, that's a student section. But the rest of the fans aren't doing their shaker. Maybe one or two or three people in a row. Uh, but it's not it's not an in unison thing. So that's my hot take of the week. Leave the shakers at the football game. They really 
don't have a proper they have a place they don't have a proper place at a basketball game yeah no I actually I, I do agree with that um and there are some schools that do it like the opposite way like I know Florida they do the chomp and that's it for football games but they have the shakers for basketball game I think that's super weird but you know I'm gonna let them do them also it's a weird glittery it is ugly orange is. and blue it is um so I'll start with a football hot take um and just say that uh, Pete Golding to Ole Miss is, I believe, the ultimate win-win um, for both schools. I mean, I think Ole Miss's defense probably gets better with that. Um, and I think that there's a chance we go out and hire a stud, and it works out phenomenally well for both teams. Um, and the second, it's not even a, it's not even a hot take necessarily, but um, I mean, we've been giving him praise this entire podcast. Um, Brandon Miller should start to get wooden award buzz if he's not already um because you know it's not a best player on the best team award um but he is the best player on one of the best teams and not only that but he's just straight up one of the best players in college basketball um and you know at the end of the day I doubt that they'll give it to him just because he's a freshman and it's pretty rare for a freshman to win it um but he's deserving to for sure be in that conversation right now and and to be one of the top three or four um guys for that award uh I don't know what's your opinion on that yeah I think he's definitely deserving and it's one of those things where if growing up in the south and being from Alabama you don't really know the wooden award would be so new to an Alabama fan you you would probably talk to any of the 14,000 people that were in Coleman last night and if you talked about the wooden award um and the immediate comparison they'd say is that the Heisman of college basketball and yes Mm -hmm. it is the Heisman of college basketball but we don't have the recent success in the last 20 years to know you know what that is unless you're just a huge basketball fan um but he's certainly deserving he and i think it kind of goes the heisman's turned into a popularity contest of the best player on the best team and was caleb williams the best player in college football this year eh, probably not because if he had played two three sec teams you know his numbers probably would have been way down but is he making the biggest impact? Is he having the biggest footprint? Is his influence such that it is incomparable uh, to the rest of college basketball? For Brandon Miller, I'd say absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. Um, you know, because I, I, Caleb Williams, I, I, I'm kind of a fan, even though I think he's a bit, like maybe not the most high character dude based on some of the fingernail painting he does and stuff. Um, Which is weird. Got some Patrick Mahomes plays though. I mean, he's he's very fun to watch when it is Pac-12 after dark. Um, so I'd say that about Brandon Miller. But I'd also say that you know I think what's brewing in Tuscaloosa. Um, obviously, what we're talking about at Sanford. Sanford's fan base is becoming the best in the SoCon. Um, Alabama's fan base has been, have it's been a lot of sleeping bears, if you know what I mean. Where it's like there's it, the fan base has been one big sleeping bear that has been waiting for a coach to really get him going. Um, with a with a lot of grumbling and a lot of snoring. There's a lot of grumbling and snoring. There's no doubt about that. And um, you know, you never know when hibernation season's gonna hit either. But uh but I will say this, when when Coleman's packed, when the fans are into it and the buy in is what it is right now, Alabama fans are among the best in college basketball. I w I wouldn't say that they're always the best basketball fans. Um, and they're going to learn and grow in that. You know, I think a lot of people have been following football their whole life and haven't been following basketball as much, but they're great fans. Um, and I think what you're going to see in the next five, ten years is that they become one of the best basketball fan bases in college basketball. Obviously, 
the school in West Georgia would claim that, you know, what they've already built, and I wouldn't even necessarily disagree with it fully, is they're built, they've built a great basketball fan base. You know, a lot of it's because they haven't had a lot of football to cheer for, so it's always either basketball season or off season around there. But Wait, now, now there's a hard freeze, though. Oh, yeah. Now they're going to have success. Well, yeah, I mean, They're going to go from three stars to four stars. I saw some former players tweeting that they're going to win the Natty next year, so the expectations are high down on the plains. Um, but all that is to say is Alabama's turning into a – I'm not going to say a basketball state because it will always be a football state, but a state that is very much bought into basketball. And the University of Alabama is by the day turning into more and more of a basketball-supporting school. Um, and the only two college basketball programs undefeated in conference play right now in the state of Alabama, that would be who we cover on the Mean Streets podcast, Sanford, shout out Sanford, and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Some are calling it the Mean Streets bump. You it know? really is, like, honestly. Well, you could call it a coincidence. I mean, you know, the other thing is the only two teams that I've played for. Um, exactly. The BJ effect. I, I, did you see the tweet yesterday? Uh, I forget who tweeted it, and I want to give him credit, when he was like uh, – this is all based on the foundation laid by Britton Johnson. I was like, yeah, I think that was either Alabama, and I was cracking up. It was, was, it like, was yes, either Jimbo Brandon Miller is because of me. It You're was welcome. either Jimbo or it was uh, Drew Champlin. So shout out to one of the was, two of them. I think it was Jimbo. Yeah, it was good stuff, Jimbo. It was, it was fantastic. All right, uh, the Main Streets podcast with William Galloway and Britton Johnson. I'm William Galloway. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Main Streets Pod. Britton, as always, bring us home. You've got the last word here on this episode on January fifteenth. I'm going to say this to both Bulldog and Tide fans. Enjoy these teams, man, because they're fun to watch. Uh, Obviously, in one of the cases for me, it's fun to play for. Um, Just fun groups to cheer on. So enjoy these teams while you got them.